podcast by Agile Coaching Roundtable ACRT. This is a conversational and interview-based podcast channel where we interview agile practitioners, trainers, and coaches that share their experience, wisdom, and insights regarding all things agile. Hi, I'm Ramya Shastri. I'm Vivek Kuntoji. We, we are your host for the podcast by ACRT. So let's begin. If you are listening to our podcast for the first time or have not yet subscribed to our podcast channel, hit the follow button on your podcast streaming app now and give us the rating. Also, if you wish to contribute to Agile community, share this episode with your friends and colleagues as well. Feeling stuck as a Scrum Master or Agile Coach? Want to take your career to next level and drive real business value? This episode explores the power of the Value Management Office, VMO, as a game changer for agile transformations. We will delve into strategies for optimizing flow, fostering a strong agile culture, and ensuring value delivery all within the VMO framework. Tune in and discover how to unlock your full potential as an agile leader. We have Sanjeev as our guest today for the podcast. Sanjeev Augustin is a true leader in the agile and lean space with over 30 years of experience under his belt. He is the founder and CEO of Litspeed, also a renowned author, speaker and trusted advisor to executives at leading companies like Capital One, CNBC and Samsung. As a testament of his vast knowledge, Sanjeev even wrote the acclaimed book from PMO to VMO, Managing for Value Delivery. Beyond that, he actively contributes to the field by holding leadership positions like Chair of the Agile Alliance Agile Executive Forum, and founding various communities focused on agile and lean practices. So to find solutions for optimizing the flow and maximizing value in the organization, listen to the episode till the end. So without much ado, let's get started. Hello Sanjeev, welcome to the podcast by Agile Coaching Roundtable. It's a great pleasure and honor having you on our show. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ramya. Thank you, Vivek. Glad, glad to be here and uh, thank you for the invitation. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Likewise. Uh, so today we want to have a conversation uh, about Value Management Office. That is your uh, specialization. And uh, we also know that there is a book uh, called as or uh, named uh, from PMO to VMO, right? So we want to have a conversation around that. And we know that there's a lot of buzz around this value, flow, project management, agile, not agile and all those things. So we want to understand your perspective uh, on that. So to begin with, uh, maybe for our listeners who do not uh, know what uh, VMO is. So can you explain uh, what a value management office or VMO is and its core purpose within an organization transitioning to agile implementation? Sure thing. So I'm going to give you an explanation first and then I'll tell you why those pillars of the VMO exist, right? So the, the first thing is to understand about the VMO is that it is a team of teams. So if you're familiar with the Stanley McChrystal concept of a team of teams, we have representation both up and down the organization chart and also left and right across organization silos so that we can create what's called a lattice structure. Most organizations are siloed and it takes a lot of effort to go from from end to end, right? So the VMO itself is a cross-functional group. 
it's a team of teams that has management representation it has team level representation and it has executive representation as well so cross functional team of teams it's also cross hierarchical because we have people from different parts of the organization different levels of the organizational structure and it's cross silo because as i mentioned we have to focus on the the speed of uh, the flow of the value so team of teams cross functional cross hierarchical and cross silo what does it do two main things lean portfolio management and adaptive or active governance so lean portfolio management is all about optimizing the flow of value at a level above teams we have agile teams we have non agile teams the pmi project management institute is big on hybrid methodologies which has both agile and waterfall uh, blended in together and that's all fine we have all these methods at the team level but how do we now accelerate and prioritize the flow of value at a level above the teams there's two levels there there's a program level there's a portfolio level so lean portfolio management is that discipline the other thing that we have to watch out for within any organization and we don't talk about it that much in uh, agile methods is governance it's actually a people think well it, governance is not good or it's going to stifle the teams or it's going to be too uh, rig- rigorous and uh, we lose our essence of agile right so we have this concept that that has been implemented for 5 years sometimes longer in many of the organizations that we work with and that is called adaptive governance how can we integrate functions like compliance audit risk legal and architecture and bring them into this cross functional operation within the team of teams so agile vmo cross functional team of teams responsible for lean portfolio management and adaptive governance okay uh, thanks anju for putting uh, or maybe you know giving that uh, understanding of what vmo is uh, all about uh, but again there were a few uh, you know key points or a few uh, definitely you know uh, words that are usually we we often hear around uh, and i think you, you you did mention about uh, governance and uh, catering to what what may be the risk or what may be you know in terms of uh, adaptive governance uh, would you like to talk more on that aspect when we talk about governance uh, is it just you know uh from an understanding point of view maybe i'm just trying to put across my thoughts when i say governance it's like there is there is a team which caters to execution and then there is a support team which helps or maybe becomes a back end in terms of this execution you know maybe where i i feel like project managers get into delivery leads get into maybe you know people from the budgeting aspect get into i are you referring to that yeah so uh So India we have the concept of uh, I think I'm, I I'm figuring more, many of your audience members are in India is that correct Yes yes yeah. okay. okay so there's a concept of lakshman rekha right so you have this line of separation we have to remove that there <laughs> governance and all these things are not separate they they have to be integrated into the regular functioning and institutionalized in that way right so I'll I'll talk about adaptive governance as a concept and then I'll talk about specifically uh what groups we might want to in- integrate into the functioning overall functioning for lean portfolio management and uh adaptive governance through our VMO right so here's uh, here is an acronym for you it's C A R L A CARLA compliance audit risk um 
legal and architecture, right? And included in architecture are security, so things like uh, you know, uh, um, DevSecOps, and also more recently, you've been hearing or we've been hearing a lot about generative AI and also uh, machine learning ops, right? So ML ops, right? So architecture should include all of those things. All of those are part of uh, governance. And if I want to start with the most recent thing first, so that I mentioned, we're you know, the whole world is buzzing about uh, chat GPT or uh, perplexity or these new models. Sora comes out and everybody's trying to figure out how can we use AI responsibly? This concept okay. of responsible AI. Take that, right? So let's say the VMO, we're talking about governance. Let's say we have agile teams. Some of those agile teams might be focused on innovation. They might be driving and we work with our clients and many of them are actually looking at AI solutions within large organizations. Well, AI is a, is a brave new world. Things are moving very quickly. There's no regulation. And it's going to be up to organizations in the private sector, especially large organizations. We, we do a lot of work with financial services organizations. They want to make sure that they're not doing anything illegal. They want to make sure they're not doing anything unethical. And at the same time, they don't want to get stuck while other companies are racing forward with innovation. So making sure we can integrate all of these governance aspects is, is crucial. Now, how does the VMO help? Now, in the waterfall uh, era or in the waterfall model, everything is sort of what we call phase gate, right? So you remember in the old days, you used to have requirements, analysis, design, and we used to go from phase to phase to phase. And therefore, the governance was also phase-based governance. Right? So we finish requirements, we put a document together, and we send it to a uh, to that separate group that you are, right? Push it, throw it over the Lakshman Rekha, throw it over the wall, if you will. <laughs> well, now what we need to do is to break those things down to what we're delivering and deliver smaller chunks so that we can deliver faster and quicker. And we have partners in any one of those groups, compliance, audit, risk, and we bring them forward. And so this, we need to work in smaller chunks and we also need to have what's called audit-based governance. They can come in, any of these groups can come in at any time and audit what, where we are, but we're not waiting for their approval, right? So we don't, we, we're not creating these massive queues of here's a project or here's the requirements phase. Now we have to wait for um, this shared service organization to go off and do all the work. They might have, uh, they might have approvals for, for 10 different departments or 10 different projects in their queue, and that's going to take them right, a long time to go. So what, what we want is a very disciplined process, a lean process that we're all working very closely together and we're not waiting for those groups, but they can come in any time and stop us and say, we, can, we, we want to audit this release or this increment. And so there's a key concept here. And uh, to explain that concept, I want to bring sort of a Western phrase over here. There's a phrase here in the West, you know, they, as you guys know, um, how do you eat an elephant? People ask this question. Do you know the answer? You do? How do you eat no, we're not. I'm not advocating eat, eating elephants. They're wonderful, especially... Uh, so how do you I'm eat an elephant? Yeah, you're a vegetarian. How do you eat a block of tofu? Or how do you eat it? Oh, you're from the south. So how do you eat an idli? You, you eat Bake it. That's it. We have to chunk it down, right? So uh, the the second part of the or the answer to that over here is one bite at a time, right? So it, nobody's eat, eat, advocating eating elephants or anything else. But what we're saying is that when you have a large complex problem. We want to break it down to the smaller pieces 
and whether it's in Italy, I don't know where Vivek is from, maybe it's a Dokla, uh, you want to chop he it down. He's also South Indian. He's also South Indian, okay, well, that makes it easy. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what we want to do is to break our that complex problem to smaller pieces and not only deliver those pieces quickly, but also orient our new audit process, our new governance process on those smaller chunks. And very, very simply, we call those chunks MMPs. You guys do a lot of work in the agile space, minimum marketable products. And so not projects, but smaller chunks, whether it's in Italy or Dokla or Elephant or anything. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I love uh, how you brought so much sense uh, to uh, the pieces that were lying around. And you are now uh, bringing everything together in the form of uh, VMO, right? Uh, there's a special team that does all of these things. I mean, just trying to validate my knowledge. There is a, a team which is equipped to do or bring people from different, different, uh, uh, say, teams or maybe uh, different, different departments and different, different hierarchy so that they can bring in uh, different uh, supporting hands uh, uh, which help us to run uh, the show and so that we can uh, ensure the uh, seamless and smooth uh, execution of a project to build a product if yeah. I am making sense absolutely yeah. okay maybe then uh, what I would like to uh, understand from uh, you is as an organization uh, I mean uh, the VMO's role is very critical uh, with whatever you have mentioned. So, uh, I would like to understand uh, that how the VMO's role is critical in optimizing the flow of value from idea to the customer. Can you share some strategies that VMO's uh, can employ to ensure this flow is smooth, efficient and value driven? Basically, what we are trying to do is optimizing the value stream uh, mapping of any uh, product uh, how can VMO help in this? Awesome. So the best way to explain how the VMO helps is to first outline the challenges that organizations face to do what we're talking about, right? We want to accelerate the flow of value to our customers. So the, the first challenge that we have, I've already mentioned this, is that most organizations, especially if they've been around for a longer period of time, uh, legacy organizations as we call them, are very siloed. And that comes from something called Conway's Law, Conway's Principle, where you have the waterfall uh, development process. And we have a mirror of that process in our organizations. So just like you have requirements, analysis, design, and development, we have silos for each one of those. And that's a, a, an organizational theory process that whatever, uh, you know, however we set up our architecture, that's how you're going to set up, your, that's the organization you're going to uh, land up with. So... On average, we have somewhere between seven to nine silos to, to traverse to deliver that value in, in a large organization, uh, any of the large organizations here. And I think in India, the organizations, the big ones, at least the top 10, are maybe three, four times larger than the organizations here. I mean, you take some of the big, big companies in India, right? So you, I don't know what it is in, in, in Indian companies, but in the U.S.-based companies, the Western companies, it's about seven to nine silos that you have to, to traverse to deliver value. So you have that horizontal obstacle course you have to overcome. The second thing is, it's the top to bottom command and control hierarchy that we face, right? So 
typically you're going to face multiple le- levels that you have to go up you have to get a permission from my boss my boss's boss her boss and her boss and you have to go all the way up the chain and to the executives and you have to come down all the way so if you take a delay that's uh, from moving from end to end and then you take the other delay in terms of getting approvals you have a compounded delay and so just as we have to figure out how to address the challenge of end to end delivery we also have to address the cha- challenge of top to bottom decision decision making velocity how can we accelerate the speed of decision making so how can we get across the silos quickly how can we accelerate the speed of decision making because if not these things are comp- going to compound with each other right and then perhaps the most basic is how can we embed cultural discipline or how can we embed process discipline technical discipline into our organizational culture and these are the three things that the vmo can really help with number 1 we talk about end to end flow value we we want to spread, we want to set up end to end teams and the vmo is now a team of teams we have representation from those teams in the vmo so now we we can get people collaborating we can get people communicating and we can get prioritization of what what we need to deliver from our business customers again the small dokla piece or the small idli piece or the small piece of value that's moving that's what we're talking about moving as quickly as possible the second thing is the vmo can collaborate because it's cross hierarchical now we can accelerate the flow of value we want people from both business across actually across the entire chain those stakeholders that we talked about the governance stakeholders we want the business side of our um, executives and management and we want our um, any delivery and IT side of them management and executives there as well and so we want to accelerate that flow of value as well so get the end to end stuff moving quickly get the decision making velocity moving quickly by collaborating and putting some good techniques over there for management and then building building really awesome process discipline we're over what is it 22 23 years into the agile movement and i don't think people really understand even today that when you're doing agile it's not about you know just doing scrum or kanban or doing a, uh, a scaled agile process it's about finding out finding and figuring out a specific set of rules process rules and product rules that make sense for our organizational con- context which are going to be different we need a flexible process and then when we put that process in place we need to follow it with a very high level of discipline process discipline and the idea of discipline is not talked about in my opinion not talked about enough within uh, agile agile techniques you know it's all about let's bring the team together let's have the teams do what they need to do let's work with the business customer all good stuff but fundamentally a high performance team this the foundation for a high performance team is discipline right it's cultural discipline is process discipline is product discipline and so the vmo can help enable that discipline within teams within programs within portfolio and even at the executive level wow so before maybe vivek uh, jumps into ne- uh, next maybe i just want to uh, add over here uh, this is literally making so much sense because of lately i have been exploring on this topic and i have been doing lot of uh, brainstorming myself and with vivek and uh, trying to figure out the exact uh, point that you mentioned though we were not calling it as a vmo uh, uh, 
per se but we were trying to understand the governance excellence or process excellence this is what we we are doing that and i am trying to implement this in in my, in the organization that i work with the projects or the teams that i work and this is where i uh, i am at this point wherein to find out the gaps and identify the value stream uh, and then uh, try to understand the flow and how to eliminate the waste and reduce the cost and these are the things and i can uh, i mean 1000% agree on your point when you talked about the process discipline right honestly i mean people from the agile space would kill me for saying this but this is what i tell the managers that if you really want to get discipline in your project with your teams uh, to uh, have some sort of maybe uh, do anything efficiently or maybe smoothly first put up a process a process that will make sense to your teams uh, process that will make sense to the project that will enable the flow so people from the agile uh, space would kill me saying that how can you say agile is all about process and all those things but if we really want to get on to the ground and get our hands dirty and see some change i think putting uh, up a process uh, uh, discipline is very important and i have been doing uh, this or promoting this within the organizations that i work so i completely agree on this point wonderful okay yes so again uh, there was a wonderful point uh, sandeep that you mentioned is Uh, regarding the process discipline but with that you also you know did mention is a uh, high performance team definitely need performance uh, no pro- discipline certainly that is how i mean it's it's normal human tendency that if if you want to exceed yourself you need to be disciplined first your starting point should be you know how do you ensure that you get into that discipline but while we 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 are saying that we need that uh, discipline uh, and while we are saying that we all, we we focus on a high performing team and with that we also you know bring into that aspect of how do we bring in that empowerment giving them that more em- uh, empowerment to ensure that they they perform well or they do well together right so my next uh, maybe i would try to put across this in thought is right how do you know the governance aspect and the empowerment uh, aspect map out together over here when we say that uh, maybe vmo would be able to help out mapping that governance aspect and also ensuring that empowerment is given to the team as much as possible uh, in terms of helping them uh, yes helping them create that autonomy of becoming more self organizing right uh, maybe uh, that is what uh, my question to you is how do you ensure that that balancing act can be taken care of great question and i'm going to tell you a two part story right and mm-hmm. one part is uh, The, the the first part of the story begins before agile method, methods were codified and before the manis- manifesto was written right so this is my first job i i just ex- come out of co- actually i was still in college as i started working for the last 6 months i was still studying and finishing my graduate degree and i was working on a defense project in in a place called fort lee virginia you know this is south of richmond virginia and at that time what we had was there some experimental stuff that was going on and they wanted to uh, put together a small team of people so i was a junior developer there there were some a couple of other developers there's a business analyst 
and we had a customer. Now the customer was from the military, so he's uh, in India you would call him a lieutenant colonel. Here he's called a lieutenant lieutenant colonel, and that's high enough in the organization that that kind of person becomes the perfect product owner. That they have the budget, they have the authority, they have the autonomy, and so we would meet with our customer, the colonel, every morning at seven o'clock in the morning. And so they started early, seven o'clock in the morning,、uh, most days of the week. We start to have the first uh, uh, on-site customer meeting. Right? We call that now. You know, we know it as an integral part of、uh, agile methods. We would then have a, a team meeting. We weren't standing up; it was just a small group of us sitting in a co-located space. Now we would call that a daily stand-up meeting. Right? We would work in a common code base and talk and just, you know,、uh, Alistair Coburn, who's the、uh, grandfather of process methods、mm-hmm. in, in Agile, he uses the term expert within earshot. Somebody's there, you have a question, you just within earshot, you can hear them, you can yell out, and you can ask a question to get the answer. Right? These are all ways of implementing a team-based Agile. Worked really well. We were very successful. And our customer and our product and our uh, our um, what we were building became very successful. So we ended up moving to another city up here in the Washington D.C. area, and we became part of a larger team. Right now, this is over a couple years, and now it's not just us because we had a lot of flexibility and autonomy, and we could experiment. But now we are part of a larger ecosystem. There were about 15 teams, and There were some senior senior developers there. There were senior managers there, and what they had done was that they had set up all of those teams to work together in a standard operating process and like a lean process at the at the enterprise level. Again, all of us worked in a common code base. We had the precursors to release on demand, all this kind of stuff. A lot of product, and they were following in those days what was called the capability maturity model, which is a very sort of rigorous, lots of paper to be. Printed and all that, but what it brought was the discipline that we didn't have, right? At, at the at the、uh, team level, and so、um, there were very strict、um, uh, configuration management process. So when we were working our small teams, we could just check in stuff, and yes, we were all more or less、uh, disciplined, but there was no audit on top of that, right? So now there's a level to make sure that all of our configuration. Management checking in, checking out code. You know, all the code is written. There are tasks. There are, we could do performance testing. So now you have these practices that are at the level above the teams. And to be successful today, we need both of those things on steroids. We need the small teams. We need the autonomy on the of the of the small teams. The teams need to be flexible. They need to. We need. They need to have the、uh, ability, the tools, the the support, and the money. To to go off and really drive innovation, right? And at the same time, at the level above the teams, we need to have a standard process. We need to have the governance. We need to have the check-ins. We need to have the、uh, management support, and we need to have that、uh, um, that coordination and and、uh, cooperation at a level above the teams. Now, in Lean, they call this the Six Sigma paradox. How do you ensure that teams themselves are have the abil- ability to innovate, mul- multiple teams, and yet at the same time, how do you ensure that you put in a, a level of governance that supports these teams and allows them to、uh, it removes the redundancy?、Uh, Ramya, you talked about reducing waste,、uh, making sure that we have process dis- 
all of that is the responsibility of this team of teams at a level above the teams. Yes, it does make sure that there it does impose some constraints. It's not unfettered. I can go off and do whatever I want in the team. For example, we might decide to standardize on a tool. Everybody starts to use Azure DevOps or Jira, whatever. And it's not each team now may not have the ability to go off and do their own thing. Uh, now all teams will work within this uh, single tool, but that standardization is necessary for scaling. That standardization at the level above the teams is necessary for governance. It's necessary to reduce risk. It's ne- necessary to accelerate speed, not just at the team level, but to the aggregate speed when we are aligning it. So we'd like to think of this, you know, as moving from a cruise liner, a big ship with waterfall, but that takes a long time to, to turn around or a long time to move, to a set of speedboats. Now, each one of our teams, if you're going off in different directions, then the speedboats are not coordinating. But how do we get all those speedboats to align and to work in a consolidated fashion? That's what we need. We need both. We need the speedboat, our individual teams, and we need that coordination and alignment mechanism at the level of the teams. Wow. I mean, this, uh, I mean, the way you are explaining or the uh, examples that you are uh, giving, it is uh, making more clearer and clearer. The picture is getting uh, more clearer and clearer. And uh, I align uh, when you said that, uh, when uh, when we say that we need that uh, discipline at the team level doing uh, what they're doing uh, efficiently. But then there is also a need of a governance or maybe just an example, maybe an audit to see whether are they doing all the practices that they are supposed to do uh, or what are the gaps in doing that and how can we put up those or fill the, those gaps by maybe having a process discipline over here and maybe having the uh, having the collaboration between uh, the speedboats and uh, the ship together or maybe the layers that we are talked about. So how can we bring in these things together? So this is making more sense. I think it would really help uh, me and Vivek uh, when we were doing so much brainstorming. I think uh, this podcast is happening at the very right time so that we are getting our answers over here. So at least I feel that we are going in the right track. So maybe uh, since we talked about the process discipline, what I want to touch base upon is the cultural uh, discipline. So many organizations like grapple with uh, cultural shifts uh, during agile implementation, right? So can you elaborate on how the VMO influences and nurtures the required cultural changes in an organization moving towards business agility? Yeah, um, so this is the question from time immemorial, right? So when we bring a group of people, people there, and we want them to work in a particular way and we want them to behave in a particular way, right? Our culture is that unspoken set of rules that we all follow, that we all agree to, and that we all follow. And then it regulates how we behave, our collective behavior. If you think about culture, that's our collective behavior. A violent culture is is a culture that has a lot of violence as it as as its defining uh, factor. A peaceful culture has a set of rules, unspoken and maybe explicit, that drives a very peaceful way of functioning. Right? If we want to build a culture that is entrepreneurial, collaborative, and value driven, then we need to think about what you know how to inculcate those types of values 
and build a plan and reinforce those at every level. So uh, I say at every level because there's something called holistic change management, and this has been around for a long time. You know, there's ad car principle and organizational change management, and there's uh, there's a lady in Australia. She, I think her name is Sinead. I forget her name, but she's a great change management guru. But ultimately, it's about saying how can leaders and teams exemplify the types of values, the types of behavior that we want to see. We want to see collaborative uh, behavior. We want to see a high level of process discipline. We want to see uh, a focus on customer value. We want to see quick decision making. So how can we ma- embed that into the way we work, our communications, the way we, the behavior that we have from day to day up and down the chain? So the first thing we need to do is we need to have a holistic change management plan. The VMO can help work with whatever existing legacy group is there. Usually there are OCM groups, organizational change management. We could bring in, if they don't have anything else, the VMO can work with those groups and bring in their own techniques. Right? Then we need to make sure that we drive the agile adoption through immersion. The best way is to, if you want to follow something, is to completely immerse yourself. Right? So this, they tell you you want to learn a language. Uh, the best way to learn the language is just to go and live in a place where they speak that language all the time. So if the VMO and if management and leaders need to exemplify agile behavior, the best way leaders and executives and anybody, you know, even including business partners, everybody needs to be immersed in these agile practices. So the VMO, the, the groups that it works with, we have something called an executive action team. All of these, um, all of these uh, groups immerse themselves themselves in the way of agile operation. Let me give you an example. I was talking to an executive friend of ours. He's a CIO, and we had worked with her group uh, at the portfolio level. Right, with the, she, she was the CIO, and you know, she brought in. Um, uh, we, did, we helped her with enterprise agility, so there are multiple teams, multiple departments. And now what she's doing is she's introduced that way of functioning to the executive team. And she was talking about how what we might think as simple things are big challenges at the executive level. So these are C-level people. And she said, we're just going to have a daily meeting. And so they're like, uh, what are we going to do in the daily meeting? And so they went and read up about the daily meeting. And uh, it's, they said, it says here that we have to stand up. Do we have to stand up in the meeting? No, you don't have to stand up. Uh, the, how long is the daily meeting going to be? So just things that we might take as embed into what we've been doing for the last 20, 25 years at the team level or the last five to 10 years at the management level, these are still new at the executive level. So how can we immerse our executives? We need to cut a lot of the stuff out of it, right? So we don't need to confuse uh, our executives with stuff like story points and this and that. But what are those core aspects of behavior that we want to see? So immerse leaders in agile and that leaders, that means all the way up to the executives. The other thing we need to do nowadays is to move more quickly. I don't know if you guys are doing anything with AI and AI uh, product development, but Agile is the best process. Agile practices and this culture is the best process to do this stuff, right? So there are three shifts that need to happen. So we have these Agile teams. Now we're talking about culturally, what are the cultural shift? The first cultural shift is the shift up that I just mentioned. We have to shift up into leadership, we have to teach our senior leaders and executives, or I shouldn't say teach, that's very sort of hubristic, but we have to help them understand what needs, you know, how things are done, and then enable them to 
to operate in this in this agile way. The second shift is shifting left to to business departments. How can we start working in a collaborative fashion, and how can we set, uh, support our business department with what we call product discovery? You know, there's that dual track Scrum model from Marty Kagan. We have delivery on the agile teams, and we have discovery. So, how can we help our business partners put in place some prioritization techniques, put in place an innovation pipeline? Uh, if they're experimenting with AI, assemble an innovation team, and then help them understand how to how they can use aspects of lean and agile for their work for the product discovery work. Right. So the lean startup techniques are great in this respect. That's the shift left. We talked about shifting up to executives, shift left to to business, and then we have the shift right. Shift right is moving downstream. Right? And again. Or if you remember, we're trying to move, get this cross-silo and cross-organizational hierarchy thing moving quickly. So there's also a shift right from the agile teams into deployment, into audit, into governance, all this kind of stuff. And also, uh, more recently, with uh, with DevSecOps and uh, MLOps, machine learning operations. So how do we bring those people into it? How do we work collaboratively across? And so there's an immersion that needs to happen, and then there's an end-to-end co- coordination that needs to happen, right? So the best way to do that is to start small. So we are back to our small chunks. Do a pilot project. Get all the governance aspects, and that means shifting up. Figure out how it's going to. We're going to work with our executives. Shifting left. Figure out how we're going to do product discovery with our business partners, and shifting right. How are we going to do, deploy seamlessly? And rapidly and seamlessly into production with all those governance aspects built in. Oh wow! Oh, that's, that's that's so amazing. I mean, so many of uh, you know thoughts. Obviously, while you were explaining, I was maybe you know some or the other way just trying to ensure if I can you know pick up those points and try to see or maybe quickly reflect on how we are doing things at this point of time within our organization. Obviously, you know, and I was also parallelly making certain notes because. There, there are those are so wonderful points uh, just to to you know ensure that whether we are all aligned to it or not uh, but since uh, you you did mention certain points related to shifting left or shifting right or working small you know uh, having certain pilots and I, I again i believe maybe this is again my thought is like certain way to ensure that we are taking calculated risk or we are trying to ensure that how we are mitigating those uh, risks right i mean whether we we work we work in small set of you know maybe in terms of a small project or maybe the smallest of the you know uh, an mvp that we can say maybe uh, i'm just um, trying to put uh, it in that aspect but while we say that we 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 should be working in small batches or small size or small projects uh, and that is again uh, related to how we are managing uh, the risk uh, associated with uh, it right uh, how do you think that vmo can contribute in identifying and assessing or you know certain way mitigating those risks uh, while we are uh, following an agile transformation uh, and do you think that 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 is quite easy or maybe it's not that easy to do that but do you think it's it's quite manageable uh, having uh, this, uh, this kind of a setup yeah so uh, one of the things that i think is very uh, sort of a defining uh, aspect of the early adopters at Agile and certainly the manifesto authors that that you, you've spoken with, like right, Jim Highsmith and others, right, 
is uh, is a humility, right? And the humility is in we don't think or they don't think that they know everything. Agilists should never believe that, right? But I think what happens is. Uh, you know, there's something called a, ha- a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Or dangerous thing. Yeah. So it's like you don't know what you don't know, and that makes you arrogant, uh, right? So, uh, so the issue over there is that uh, what has happened is that within the agile community, and it's changing in the last couple of years, that there was this craze around agile methods. And so it went to the Agilist head and they're like, we're the smartest kids on the block. We know everything and everybody's <laughs> coming to us. And when they come and say, we need some sort of management, the response, the arrogant response or the non-humble response is, we don't need no stinking project managers. We don't need no, we don't need uh, management, right? So that, that, that arrogance should be replaced with humility and an understanding that we don't know anything. So that you're asking me about risk, right? So I come, I, you know, after a development career, I, I went, I spent a number of years as a project manager. The project management community, PMI and others, have solved this problem decades ago, not even just years ago. But our agilists who are sitting in their little, you know, in, in their little shell somewhere in the well, they don't know what's outside the well, right? And so now those, again, that barrier that Lakshmandrake has broken down and you find that the project management community is full of agilists and the agilists are full of project management community. So the, in a long story to say, there's, simp- there's simply something called the risk register in project management, in the PIMBOK, in the project management body of knowledge. And we can, we can outline all of our risks, especially since we have people representing multiple, multiple uh, silos and multiple uh, levels of the organization. We can do a risk planning um, a part that will fit in with our big room planning or PI planning or even the sprint planning. We can identify uh, the risks. We can prioritize those risks. There's something called a risk impact probability matrix. And then once we, we have something, let's say, that red or the very high, high prior, uh, dangerous, high impact risk, yellow is medium impact, and then uh, green might be low impact. We take those uh, pri- that prioritization, just like we prioritize user stories, we prioritize the risk, we, br- we come up with a mitigation plan, we take the action items for this mitigation plan, and we just fold it into our Agile Sprint operation. So they become part of the, 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 the uh, program planning, they become part of the portfolio planning, and then they become part of the sprint planning. And then we execute on this risk, and that's integrated into the Agile way. So these questions have been answered, we just need to figure out where they are, they exist out there, and especially with all the tools that we have at our disposal, we can easily find this. The um, the project management um, uh, PMI has a certification called the PMI ECP. I helped design that program many years ago, and in as part of the PMI ECP program, this handling risk is just an integrated part. So if you take if you get an Agile certification from the PMI, you you're going to know the answer to this question. What I just told you. Wow. But a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> it's amazing to know that uh, you were uh, you helped them to design this PMI ACP. We have been uh, hearing about this, uh, I mean, so many times, but then we didn't know this uh, history that you are associated uh, with this in uh, helping them. 
and uh, maybe since we spoke about uh, risk sorry to yeah. interrupt to be clear yeah, the main yeah. person over there is a gentleman by the name of Mike Griffith i had a very small part as part of that team over there so mike griffith is the the king of the in, who's sitting across agile and pmi and he helped he was the one who helped design that program so i just had wow. a very small no but then that, even that is significant right so that no one can take away that from you for sure yes so maybe now uh, we want to talk about uh, since we talked about risk can we uh, we talked about culture uh, discipline we talked about process discipline so now what we want to talk about is uh, i mean this is what most of the agilist or many any uh, uh, manager or uh, uh, project management people talk about is maximizing the value right to the entire organization so could you please uh, provide some insights in how bmo ensure value is uh, consistently delivered measured and improved upon through the agile journey sure so there are a lot of mantras floating out there right so one of the mantras that you might have heard in the last few years is project to product they say well you have to move from project to product mm. right now my first question is what does that mean good you know good good thought it certainly uh, when somebody says you need to move from project to product I don't believe that uh, a wholesale move of giving up projects is the right way, right? So if you look at organizations, the lean exemplar is Toyota. Toyota has a a, a hybrid model, a product based, right? So they they have the cars that are their products, but they also have projects that drive a lot of these things. So a a project based level for non products is you got you have to maintain that, right? whether it's project or whether it's product the first shift that we need to put in place is understanding what is customer value because with lean which is as i mentioned we have to always come back whenever we're dealing with agile methods we always have to come back to that foundation of lean so what is cu- customer value right? and if you start to say who's our customer first of all when you say what is customer value you have to say who's our customer who is our customer and how can we deliver things of value to that customer so the one of the first things that we can do in terms of measuring is the the lead time or the 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 time to value that's the driving metric it's it's more straightforward to do than anything else so th- we can measure lead time within at the team level and then we can measure it at the program level and then we can measure it at the at the portfolio level and that's where our tools come into place as long as we're all using the same tool then the the tool that we're using should support measuring time to market or time to value at the team level at the program level and at the portfolio level and we should be able to aggregate that from end to end so there has to be a line of sight you know in in lean we call this a line of sight from teams to the level above the teams to the level above that so that we can go end to end and can measure these things not only at the individual team level but all uh, up the chain as well so that's the first thing that's how we measure value the second we need to make sure um that we do is that everything is visible right transparency can we have a visual management system in the old days you know pre pre pandemic everything was the agile teams would like to hang out we'd be in a team you know team room and then you'd have the wall behind you and then we'd had a you know we we would have all this wonderful wall we uh, my colleague bob Payne, he, he 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 coined the term portfolio alignment wall right 
Now it's all digital and, and it's global. So you take those, whatever's on that wall, that visual management system, measuring the lead time, measuring the decision-making, um, uh, 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 the, the, the speed to market, all of that is going to be in a tool, right? So we, we have to figure out how, number one, who's the customer? We have to measure, you know, we have to figure out what is of value to that customer. And then we have to measure the speed of delivery to that customer. So I talked about the speed of delivery and moving quickly. Now, what is valuable to the question? Excuse me, what is, what is valuable to the customer? That's our question. It's going to differ. Right? We want to make sure that we're delivering quickly, but the things that we're delivering are actually of value to the customer. And to do that, we need to figure out, uh, maybe have some metric around customer satisfaction. Because that's going to differ. I don't know that there's a common metric or say, well, this customer needs this and that customer needs this. So therefore, there's a common metric. But some metric around customer satisfaction. Now, there's been a metric that's been floating out, floating around in the uh, industry for a while. It's called the net promoter score. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. But maybe it's as simple as saying, going to our customers, showing them what they need and just gauging their satisfaction, whatever technique we use. So customer satisfaction, speed to value, and then managers will love this. Maybe teams won't love this that much, but cost management, right? Can we reduce and eliminate extraneous costs, but we should be measuring cost reduction as well. So speed to value, customer satisfaction, and cost reduction. And all of those would all of, when we get all of those things well uh, moving, then we'll actually end up uh, growing our revenue incremental incrementally as well. So we can have something around net present value NPV for measuring the total value, but the the key foundation blocks are deliver quickly, deliver what the customer needs, and ask the customer directly what they need, and then make sure that we're reducing costs as we do so. Oh, wow, that's uh, really amazing uh, in terms of identifying or in terms of uh, determining what uh, values, uh, you know, how do we determine the value uh, in terms of when we say what value uh, for a customer would mean for. Uh, and since we, we have spoken about a lot of different aspects related to VMO, right from the team level to the top uh, C-level executives as well. But I think we, while discussing that, we, we, we maybe we did not touch base on the middle level management. And I think that is where, that is where most of people like us, as I was saying us, obviously, uh, because that is where we come into the middle level or the middle management uh, in context of the execution or in context of the transformations. Uh, how do you think, you know, we as at the middle level, can contribute to facilitating this as a successful agile transformation and sustaining it, you know, uh, over a long period of time. Uh, would you like to talk about that as well? Yeah. So there's a management term over here called the frozen middle, right? And uh, the, this this is this just basically says that uh, uh, the one of the main reasons that our organizations are not able to move quickly or deliver f- f- uh, fast is that we have strategy led by executives, we have execution at the team level, and things are frozen in the middle. So our question is, how do we unfreeze that middle? So if you want somebody to help you, uh, you don't go to them and abuse them. Would you agree with that? Correct. 
and and yet what we've done in the agile community you can go look at the they is abused our managers there are with the reason we suck is management management is horrible the the you know these organizations are horrible and uh that's not true middle management has perhaps the toughest job ever in in 2024 than we've had in the last 15 20 30 40, 40 years right and that's because organizations have been hollowed out we have pretty lean organizations even in the larger companies there's a lot big expectation on on middle management and now as ai comes in there's managers middle management included will need to be innovators themselves and we know that all every middle management uh, middle manager knows that and in some organizations you might be able to hide and maybe there's some you know public sector or government organizations where you can sit in and you can go in the morning to cafeteria get your early vada go back drink some coffee and that's your work for the day right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's not uh, that's not the reality in most of our organizations so the first thing we have to figure out is how can we help middle management understand that they are the leaders of change they are they are the drivers of change not necessarily are being driven by change so we talked about saying the vmo our middle management is now responsible for putting a measurement system in place for helping the teams define that that uh, common process for working with the executives and ensuring cross silo and cross hierarchy representation all of those things need to be there in place they are responsible and they need to lead by example for that immersion if we say that our teams are going to be practicing agile methods maybe our project managers our program managers even our directors and vps uh, well vps may be a little too high up but directors and managers they all now will lead from the front they'll practice their own uh, way of working together in, in an agile fashion they'll work with their business partners they'll work with their stakeholders and they will facilitate that flow of value by leading from the front and making sure that that understands so it's about helping middle management understand what it means to operate in this way giving them the tools to succeed in this fashion that is whether it's tools in terms of actual tools like you know uh, lean kit or plan view or ado whatever it is uh, jira uh, but also tools as in techniques you talked about risk register we talked about measuring risk we talked about putting metrics in place helping them understand what what's necessary and then uh most you know sort of sort of uh importantly making sure that they have executive support so they have access to executives they have access to a budget they can go and help work with the business partner and then empower middle management to make priority changes so one of the ways we talked about increasing the decision making velocity the best way to do that is in lean is they say defer decisions to the lowest level right the lowest responsible level where they can be made right so if you have to go up the chain and come back down then it's going to take all this time to go you know that's where the time gets sucked up now how do we push those decisions making their decision making down decisions that might have been made by a cfo or by a chief operating officer or svp can we now can we now um empower product managers what are the rules can the cfos and the ceos and the svps on the business side work with product managers and say here are some rules as long as you follow these rules you're you are empowered to make the decision 
And if you screw up, no problem. We'll come back in two weeks and we'll audit you and make sure that you, you made the, you know, you just, we can help you. So if we can take out that approval regime, approval Raj, and make it an audit Raj, and empower the product managers on the business side to make uh, decisions quickly, then we can unfreeze that middle, right? And the executives can also be happy. Who's going to do this? The executives don't know how to do this. Maybe the middle managers don't do this. The VMO can help do this. On the delivery side, similar things. What is the process? How do we engender this discipline? Things, you know, especially with agile methods, we generally have a pretty defined process. But what is the program management process? How do we go from a product increment to a smaller chunk, MMP, minimum marketable product, to epics, to features, to stories, breaking those things down, helping the teams know how uh, what needs to be done, and then accelerating the flow of those values, uh, flow of value through that. Teams may not know how to do it. Across teams, they might not know, know how to do it. And um, the best way to explain this is uh, to give you an example. So one, some time ago, I worked with uh, in a group that was responsible for um, their the, the package software, right? So one group is implementing Workday, you guys, you know, HR software. Another group is implementing some ERP package, not part. And what what they had to do was uh, deliver. These teams both had to deliver on their own timelines. However, at the executive level, the executive is thinking, well, I'm moving to, I'm migrating this major program and part of the migration is these big systems, moving from a legacy system to these modern uh, um, uh, COT systems, right? Commercial off-the-shelf software package systems. So typically they're gonna have to bring in, if you work with Workday, you're gonna have to bring in some consultant, external consultant. If you work with uh, Oracle or SAP, you have to bring in their consultants. So these guys are not going to play nicely with each other, right? So the Workday guys are not going to be happy. Well, they're not going to be happy with the Oracle guys or the SAP guys. So it's up to somebody to figure out what is the timeline for the ERP implementation? What is the timeline for the HR software implementation? And how do we make sure that what they're doing aligns to our business goal? So we need to help them figure out what is an MMP in their concept, in, in their construct. Delivering an ERP system, the chunks are going to be much bigger. So it's unfortunately not going to be, it might have to be that, you know, 100 dosa or 100 idli, like a big platter. You can't deliver, you, there's no bite-sized chunks. The, the, the deliverables within a package software are going to be much bigger. It might take two months, three months to get any sort of chunk done. Well, who's tracking those? Who's making sure that they're getting done across the teams, across vendors? because we have to manage vendors as well. We have to manage other external partners as well. Who's doing all that? Usually nobody, which is why you hear a multi- the bigger the project, the harder it falls. You hear about all these big failures, right? It's because nobody knows how to manage the risk and nobody knows how to align del- delivery of value in a complex situation and a complex environment. Absolutely. I completely uh, agree and I could relate to few things uh, that you spoke about. And one thing that I would also like to mention is, I mean, whenever we do uh, a cohort training, so for Scrum Master or Agile coaches, right? And uh, uh, I often ask uh, the Scrum Masters that, who are your stakeholders? So what they say is, I mean, I can uh, say with confidence that none of them talked about the project managers or the middle managers. 
as a stakeholder and this is what i exactly and this is what i tell them that if there are people around you in your project or in your product so even they are your stakeholders if you are helping them helping the uh, mid level manager in easing out their work or maybe uh, doing their work efficiently enabling them to do their work efficiently then even they are your stakeholders so if we just bring in this thought process that even they are our stakeholder then we will not have this tip between the project managers versus scrum masters or why do we need this guy that guy and that lakshman reka will uh, be blurred when we have this kind of a mentality so i completely agree and i think there are so many things uh, that we need to tap upon uh, because this topic itself is so vast and so deep so i think it would take another uh, podcast for us to discuss many things because you touched upon or you kind of open the jar of worms <laughs> to discuss so many things so maybe we will not uh, get into all those uh, details uh, for this uh, podcast itself maybe the last question uh, for today's podcast is uh transitioning from traditional uh, project management office that is pmo to an agile vmo is a significant shift what actionable steps should organization take to manage this transition effectively particularly with regards to middle management sure so uh, the first thing to do is to redefine the role of the pmo so typically the pmo is known as a process compliance organization they're going to come with a checklist and say are you doing this process are you doing it process which is good we want we talk about a defined process but we also not want to talk about now if the pmo's role is changing to being a value management office then what what is the role of the pm of the people in the pmo it's not going to be a standalone pmo now they're going to have other people as part of the vmo right so the pmos come going to come in you might have an agile process group you guys are familiar with agile center of excellence or if you're doing scale agile framework there's the lace so pmo now will start to collaborate and synchronize with what's happening with the agile coes or the lace the lean agile center of excellence they're all going to get together okay what are you guys doing what are you guys doing? let's come up with a consolidated process and then what is the redefined role for the people in the pmo now some people in the pmo if they're project managers and if they're schedule oriented they're they'll be great for tracking right so we talked about uh tracking value across multiple teams there's two options if we have a hybrid project that has waterfall aspects or some we were dependent on vendors we can still use a historical artifact called the master program schedule and a master program schedule is just looking at all the deliverables the milestones across the, each every project every agile team and then consolidating that and figuring out what is the consolidated delivery of value on a timeline so it's a consolidated timeline if you go to any project manager they're going to know what a master project uh, program schedule is and if the team is all agile and or the organization is all agile then you just create a consolidated product management uh, product roadmap and are these are vmo members are who historically from pmo can now understand well we're going to put these um, uh, product roadmaps together at the uh, um uh, product backlogs together at the team level but product roadmaps at a level above the teams and now we're also going to tie all of those to okrs or some delivery of value objectives and key results so if the project managers within the pmo are more senior 
then they probably have some understanding of how to work with at the program level. We can help them understand what these new techniques, newer techniques with objectives and key results or maybe some historical SLAs um, or um, service level agreements. What is the definition of value? How do we capture it? And how can they work with executives to define those and then help those percolate down to the teams, right? Um, then we say, well, this we need this team of team structure. What is this new VMO going to look like? It's a team of teams. They're cross-functional. We might have place members. We might have uh, um, PMO members, but we also need people from the business side. We need those stakeholders. What is this group and how are they going to operate? If they're going to be immersed into an agile process, then they need their own backlog. They need a transformation backlog or a VMO backlog. They need they need value managers. So we talked about the end-to-end delivery of value in Lean. There's a concept of a value stream, and, and typically you'll hear of this concept called a value stream manager. We would just call them value manager. Somebody who might have been historically a product-oriented person or a very deliberate, a um, business-oriented person historically in a PMO now can become a value manager and work with the business partners, help them understand how to do rapid experiments with product discovery, and then set up a discipline process to integrate those experiments into an agile fashion. A more technical, you know, they have technical delivery managers or project managers. They can integrate and they can say, okay, now I'm actually going to go down a level. I'm going to go sling some code or just at least understand what the teams are level and help and understand how we're going to integrate some of these new ML ops or DevSecOps or uh, release on demand and uh, and integrate those into our process. So the answer is going to be different for each person within the PMO. If you're very process oriented, program schedule, performance management, risk management, that kind of stuff. If you're more business oriented, they can become a value manager. If they're more technical oriented, they can become a technical or a technical delivery manager. Whatever it is, now the PMO has shifted to a value management office and we're do, we're tracking across those three shifts. Either a shift up to ex- leadership, executives, left. shift left to business, and shift right downstream. Wow, amazing. I, I just love how this conversation started and how it has uh, ended. And I am uh, taking out so many notes out of this uh, single conversation. And I'm sure whoever is listening uh, or would be listening or watching this episode, they will at some point or the other they will relate to whatever you shared so many insights so many solution oriented insights i would say it's not just a kind of a maybe saying asking questions or maybe do you could do this that but then actually workable solution is what uh, you have shared with us so thank you so much sanjay for your time today doing this podcast with us we, we have learned a lot from you and i am going to maybe talk about a lot of things offline uh, after this uh, uh, conversation has ended because I have so many thoughts going on. As I mentioned, I'm uh, working on uh, something for uh, within my organization. So definitely I want to talk about that. But uh, for today's conversation, thank you so much. And we would definitely want to have you back on our show and maybe open uh, that lid again, uh, lid of uh, on, uh, with the jar of worms and pick up worms and talk about it. So for now, this is this was it and thank you so much for your time today thank you ramya thank you vivek it's a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you thank you sandeep
Thank you so much listeners for listening to us patiently. We will meet you again with new episode. Till then, if you like this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe to our podcast show. The podcast by Agile Coaching Roundtable ACRT with Ramya Shastri and Vivek Kuntoji.